Our reading this morning will be from Psalm 99. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim, let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The strength of the king loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests, and Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. He kept his testimonies and the statue that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for holy is the Lord our God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for just how specific you are in your word and reminding us of people's lives that you've worked in and how faithful you were and uh, just showing us that history, Father, that we can have uh, faith in you and trust in you, Lord, and and know that you are a righteous God, and we praise you for it. We thank you for uh, Steve's message today. Might you give him clarity and power as, as he shares about your sovereignty. We thank you for that, that you've brought us all here to do so, to listen and learn and change, and we just ask that you would, would do so, Lord, that we'd be more and more like your son and worthy uh, of you and uh, just be a light in the world, Father. We praise you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you here together. Parts A and parts B. <laughs> I love that little song. You know, the whole song set was very, very good. Uh, numbers one and five were some of, my fa- some of my favorites. And number four, the question, you know, Steve didn't sing when he was young. I think I might have, all creatures of our God. Um, it was done by St. Francis of Assisi. He's a known Catholic saint going back a long, long time. So he wrote it. He was known to be Catholic, so maybe that's what happened there, why it wasn't in your... Baptist hymnal, but it's a great, great song. Glad that you could be with us here on this Lord's Day. I'm taking a few weeks, I'm not sure exactly how long, to talk about this important subject, and that's God's sovereignty, that God himself is in charge, that God himself is in control, that God is the one who rules and reigns over every every single thing and every, every person. Psalm 103, verse 19 sums it up. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Jerry Bridges, a a pretty well-known Christian, died a few years ago. To find God's sovereignty, or as he says, God's providence, he says God's providence is his constant care for and his absolute rule over all his creatures for his own glory 
and for the good of his own people. I like that. It's a good definition. So God rules. God reigns. And there's different aspects of God's character that are working together that enable him to be sovereign. I talked about this last week. I want to sum it up because it's important we understand that sovereignty is one major part of who God is, but it's because of these other aspects of his character. He's omnipotent. That means God has all power. He is omniscient. That means he knows everything, past, present, and future, about you and about everyone, everything else. He's omnipresent. He's in all places at all times. He's holy, completely unique, and distinct from all creation. He then also is sinless. He's perfect with no imperfections. He's just. He's righteous, which means he must punish all sin. And God is wise. He has all wisdom. God not only knows everything, but God then knows how to apply that knowledge, and that applied knowledge then is his wisdom. That is, God knows what to do, and he does what he wants to do. And God is loving. He's merciful. He's forgiving. God is good. He's kind. He's gentle. And finally, then, he's eternal. That means from existed from everlasting, eternally past, eternally future. And all these things then work together in harmony, these character qualities. And there's more, too. I didn't mention all of some of the major ones. They work together, enabling God then to be sovereign, to be able to reign over every single person and every single atom and, and molecule and cell and every single planet and every star and every galaxy and, of course, over this entire universe. The truth that God is sovereign then enables him to carry out his purposes and plans. And as we talk here, always remember that we talk about God's sovereignty. It relates to the why question. What is God's purpose? What, what is this for? Okay, yeah, you can't, you can't disassociate those things. They go together. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. This gives us one of the primary purposes of God's sovereignty. Ephesians 1, good verses. There's some verses that are, are central verses that are key that we need to lock into. This is one of them. Ephesians 1, 9, 10, and 11. God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ. That last phrase is a key purpose of God. The summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth, also in him also obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. That last phrase is God's sovereignty in action. He works all things after the counsel of his will, with his, one of his primary objectives being the summing up of all things in Christ. So, so nothing then will stop God. Nothing can stop God or will stop God. That's because God is God and he is sovereign. He's in charge and he does whatever he pleases. Daniel chapter 4. God does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the habits of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? But people might say, well, isn't every human being then responsible for their actions? And aren't people aren't just robots, are they? And of course, it is true. Yes, people are responsible for their actions, but it's not true that people are robots. They can't do whatever they want. They can't. That is, every person that is under the rule and authority of God himself. That must be understood. Proverbs 16, 9, I've said these verses, but we need to go over them again. Man plans his ways, and the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19, 21, many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. So every day you get up, you plan your day, you plan what you want to do, you do things, you go places, you see people. 
And you have to understand that it's God is sovereign. He directs your steps. It's the counsel of the Lord that will stand. That's why it's a, it's a good exercise at the night then to look back at your day and say, how is God sovereign today? And, and typically you'll see, man, God was sovereign. Different things happen. So it, it's good to be cognizant of this. God's working in your, your life as you go through your days and weeks. So as you go through a day then, you say things, you do things, you, you know, uh, think in all kinds of things. But then you realize, you need to realize God is sovereign. God then is the one who is directing your life much more than you realize. He really is. And this is a good thing. I mean, think about this one question. You can ponder it more later. I'll just ask it now. What would it be like if you were the one that had to be in complete control? What would your life like? It's all up to you. All up to you. Now, some people think that way in the world. Hey, I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. And you do not know what's going on. This more the unbelievers, but... As Christians, we're learning more and more that God is sovereign. But think about that. If you are all in control, we, 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 we need to have this attitude as Christians where we say, God, I want you to be sovereign in my life. And he is, but I want you to be. I want you to intervene. I want you to do what you want to do. That is that other verse, Jesus said this, yet not my will but thine be done. That attitude of humility and wanting God to be sovereign is important. Very important for your life as a Christian then. Wayne Gruden said this, Exactly how God combines his providential control with our willing and significant choices, Scripture does not explain to us. That is, this sovereignty is a mystery. As humans, we can't really understand how we're responsible for our actions, yet at the same time, God is sovereign over them. We just can't figure it out. We also know that God is sovereign over the devil's actions. But the devil is responsible for his actions, right? We understand that. God has given the devil some authority. John, 1 John 5, 19 says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And so God then is sovereign of the devil. And this evil being, this most evil being, can only do what God allows him to do, only what is in accordance with God's eternal purposes and plans. That must be understood. Sometimes there's Christians that think that the devil's free reign. That's not true. I've, I've, I've mentioned this thought. I'll say it again. The devil's like a dog on a leash, and God's got the leash. God is in control of the devil. Always remember that. Even though you see different bad, evil things taking place in our world, God is in control. I want to look at some specific areas where God is sovereign, just a number here, and just really briefly on each one. First one relates to that song that we sang, God is sovereign over creation. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we know the world did not evolve. It did not come about by chance. God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it just the way that he wanted, just the way that he planned. Psalm 104, turn there. Well, let's re- I'll, read these. I'll just read these verses here. God established the earth upon its foundation. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle. Interesting statistic, 25%, about 25% of the Earth's land mass is grass. Okay, about 30% of the whole world is, is, is land. 25% of that is grass, and what does it say here it's for? What's one of the primary purposes for grass? For cattle. Or other four-legged type animals that eat that kind of vegetation. I mean, you got all, you know, whether it's a, you know, a giraffe, I don't know what they all eat, but all these animals out there eat grass. And so God designed the world so 25% of the land is grass. Not just the grass we have in our front yard, but, you know, all those different kinds of grass all over the world. He, it says he did that. I love this. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle. He made the moon for the seasons. 
you appoint darkness and it becomes light. So the creation is absolutely amazing. God, by his wisdom power, then made this world just the way that he wanted. All the stars and animals and plants and seas and fish and everything else is in its proper place. I've told you about these nature shows, and I don't watch, I watch some, Marsha probably watches a few more, but they're really, really encouraging. That, that one, one verse in Psalm 104 talks about the high mountains are home for the wild goats. And, and I can't remember, you might remember, Marsha, the name of this one particular animal, but this animal, I mean, the dexterity, the sure-footedness of this animal as it was climbing on the mountains in steep cliffs, I said, it was unbelievable, just speeding along and jumping and tr- Sure, you know, the wild mountains, that's the home for these goats or whatever name they're called. How about elephants? You got any elephants running around the United States? <laughs> no, they're just in the zoos. You got them in Asia. You got them in South, you got them in Asia and, and Africa. You understand that. So it's just amazing what God has done. And, and it's all for God's eternal purposes and glory. But let's, let's turn to the last few verses of Psalm 104, which is the creation psalm. It's just, it's a wonderful psalm. Psalm, I'm going to just first want to read 24, which sums up a lot of truth from this psalm. Psalm 104, 24, O Lord, how many are your works in wisdom? You have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. In the last few verses, it says in verse 31, let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Steve was talking about creation is that which gives glory to the Lord. Let the Lord be glad in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my meditation be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. But let sinners be consumed from the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So this praise that we are to give to God because of who he is, and particularly in this chapter here, we see that God then is the creator. God is sovereign over the animals. Similar thought. Numbers 22, 28. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? I love this. God is sovereign over a donkey, and he uses his donkey for his purposes. Isn't that encouraging? Wonderful. This next one here, uh, Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. I am God, there is no one like me, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east. Verses 9 through 11 are probably some of the best verses on God's sovereignty in the whole Bible. And I'm not going to look at them. I'll look at them closely maybe in another week or two. But here we read about a bird of prey. There's one bird. God calls from the east. For his purposes. Isn't that something? One bird. God's sovereign. We have, I've told you, we have a bird feeder in the backyard, and, and it's, it's a double feeder, okay? And, uh, and we buy good bird seed because we want to see really nice-looking birds out there, you know. So we got good bird seed, and there's hundreds of birds that are coming swooping in. But just about a month ago, I can tell you one bird that we'll never forget. And I think this bird is still coming back, right? One bird. It was a white bird. It was a dove. Never seen one in my life. It's about a month ago. Five, six, maybe you have. I haven't. And so it's been coming every day now. And it's a, it's a good-sized bird. And it encouraged me because I thought then of the Holy Spirit coming upon Christ in the form of a dove. But this beautiful dove. And that dove is for us, okay? 
I'm telling you that. I'm just saying God uses that bird in our life to encourage us. God is with us through the Holy Spirit. That's how we look at it anyway. Isaiah 65, 25. The wolf and the lamb will graze together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. What's being said here isn't going to somehow just happen, but we understand the kingdom age to come, that animals will live together in peace. You all understand animals. I mean, again, you watch these nature shows, and they're going after each other's throats. I mean, there's, you know, that kind of stuff's going on. And, and, but, but God is sovereign, and he's going to cause the animals to live together in peace. It's a wonderful thing. Next, God's sovereign over the weather, Job 37, 6, 10 through 12. The weather chapter is to the snow. God says, fall on the earth to the downpour and rain. Be strong. From the breath of God, ice is made. He brings out the wind. So you see this? God makes the weather. You all know this, but there's no mother nature. I think for that reason alone, I couldn't be a meteorologist. If I had to use that phrase, I couldn't do it. <laughs> You've know, you got to talk about the creator. God makes the weather. He's sovereign over every raindrop, sovereign over every snowflake. He's sovereign over every breeze, sovereign over every hurricane. I, I mentioned to you last week Hurricane Ian is the big storm that hit primarily southern Florida. From the south of Tampa and the south of, of, of Orlando, there's that line that stretched across the straight east to west to east, and, but then south. And so I thought of these questions because, I, I, you know, you, you follow these meteorologists. You know, there's Dennis Phillips and Paul Delgado and others. I don't know who you listen to, but we watch. We like to know what's going on. So we watch the weather, not all the time, but once in a while. But, but, you know, the hurricane's coming, and so here are these meteorologists. And this, this first question is, well, when's it coming? And they got all the timing out. You know, they'll tell you the best of art. You know, they've done all their research. And then, and then, and then where is it going to hit? You know, where is it going to hit? You know, it's really intriguing. I, I wish I remember the name of the hurricane and the place, but I can't. But the place where Ian went on shore down near Fort Myer, where was that? It was the exact same place a hurricane came a few years ago. I said, whoa. Is that sovereign? Is God not trying to speak to the people there? Whoa, same exact place, two hurricanes? Amazing. God is sovereign. He's sovereign over when and over where, and he's sovereign over the how fast and the how big and the how strong is this hurricane. How fast is it and how big and strong? They all predict this, you know, and you've probably seen the maps too, and I'm just amazed. It wasn't, wasn't this one. It was a few years ago. It's happened two or three times in my 20, 20 years here or so. Is, is this hurricane covers the whole peninsular region of Florida. I look at the map, they're back up in the skies and the radars, whoa! It's covering and affecting the whole state, which is what God wants. That's that why question, why? God wants people to, to wake up to the fact that he is God. So, so, so then you have that, that question of, of, of how, but then this question, what happens? Now, I, I'm sure if a person took the time he could probably write a 20-volume set of books on Hurricane Ian. And what I mean is the what. Let's interview this person whose house was damaged, whose shingles blew off, whose car, the tree came and top. I mean, think of all oh, the thousands of people. In fact, he could write all these books about what happened. What, what, what? What? Tons of things. And you know what? God is sovereign over that what. Every person, everything that was affected, God was sovereign with that one storm. I'm talking one storm. And God had predicted this, planned this, eternity past. Isn't that amazing? Okay, then we get to the why. Then you have to divide things into believers and unbelievers, right? And hopefully believers, it, it humbles you. Wow. Or as Psalm, or Job 37 concludes, fear God. Fear God. And I was struck as, wow. 
It could have hit Tampa, but it went right south of Tampa by 20, 30 miles, and that's when it really got big. Why? The unbelievers, it's the Luke 13, that they repent of their sins, they turn to God for the believer that we're humbled, that we see that God is God. It's just wonderful. The why question of Hurricane Ian alone, one weather, okay? Amazing what God's doing. Psalm 135, 6, the Lord does whatever pleases him. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. God makes and shapes the clouds, and he moves them wherever he wants them to move. They do whatever God wants them to do. And they are an extremely important part of the weather. And I say that quite naively, because I've not studied, but I did just Google it a little bit yesterday. It just took maybe five minutes. I said, wow. The whole hydrological cycle in our world is affected dramatically so by the clouds. Hydrological means water. The water. You know, that, you know, the rain comes down, and then the temperatures are incredibly affected by the cloud. You don't think about this. The water and the temperature. Then you think about, you know, there's, there's clouds over every, every part of the world, right? And sometimes we look up there, and they're just floating along, and it's sort of fun to look at clouds. They float along sometimes, a little breeze up there. But it's not random. It looks random. It is not random. God is in charge of every single one of those clouds and has a purpose for every single one of those clouds and where it goes and what it does. Isn't that something? I mean, this is mind-blowing. We don't think this way, but this is the truth. God makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. Mark 4.39. Jesus got up and rebuked the winds, and the wind died down. Again, we see that God is in charge of the weather. And so don't complain about it. You know, it's, it's probably one of the most common things that people complain about in this world is the weather, right? It's probably in the top five is weather. So don't complain about it. And I know, we all know, we got basically four months now from this point on is we're pushing 90s pretty much every day, middle of June to at least the middle of October. We're going to run 90s. And, and I'll be honest, it, it's hard for me. Being from, being from up in the north, where I've been in weather that's 20 below, and that's before windshield, um, you know, I had to get used to it. And God's helping me. I'm sure I'm glad I have AC, and so I'm glad for the winters. But be thankful. Be thankful because God indeed is the one that makes the weather. Next, God is sovereign over time. Joshua 10, 13. So the sun stood still, the moon stopped until the nations avenged themselves, avenged themselves other enemies. Sun moves at 515,000 miles per hour around the Milky Way. That's fast. 515,000 miles per hour. And God stopped the sun in her tracks so that his purpose could be accomplished. And what does it say here? What's it say? Until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. That was his purpose. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Daniel 9, 24 to 7, 27. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people to finish transgression, to make atonement, etc. God ordained there be a 490-year period of time that started around 445 B.C., the time of Nehemiah. It went on until Christ was cut off or crucified. It was around 30 A.D. or someplace around there. That's 483 years. God ordained this. There's seven more years to go, and that's still featured. Basically, the church age, basically, roughly, is between when Christ was cut off and started this seven years, which will take place sometime in the future. So God is sovereign over that. God is sovereign. Acts 17, 26, God determined the times set from. This is amazing, astounding. God determined the time when you'd be born. And maybe you're here today and you know, you, all of you know when you're born, the date, right? Some of you know the day. I was born on a Wednesday. Okay, I don't know the time. Some of you know 
you know, the date, you know, the day, the, the date, the day, and the time. God determined that way, way, way back. He determined it. He also determined the day you die. You don't know that, though, do you? You don't know that. None of you. You, know, you look around, you think, okay, there's all these people in this room here. And when are you going to die? I don't know. God knows. He determined all the days you're to live between the time you're born and the time you die. God is sovereign. And one more question, that why question, why? That's a big question, <laughs> each of you, but, you know, mainly to give glory to God. But there's a whole lot of other things, too. Why did God make you? So it says in Psalm 139, God ordained all the days of my life before I was yet born. Amazing. I mean, we've got this, and you think about this. You know, my wife and I, we've got this little granddaughter coming here in another few months. God's already ordained the days of her life. God already knows. It says this in Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5 about Jeremiah, about how God had a purpose planned for him. So all of you think about that. Your life has been ordained by God for his purposes and glory and for your good as well. That's what's going on. God's sovereign over calamities and disasters. Isaiah 45. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. For I, the, do the, I, the Lord, do all these things. I bring prosperity and I create disaster. Got it? Lamentations 3. Just to give a little emphasis and make sure you understand. 3.38. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? Amos 3, when disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? This is hard, difficult to understand. And none of us here, none of us as humans can understand really what I just said, what God said. You can't understand it. How could this happen? God's not evil, is he? Because disaster seems to be an evil thing, right? Right? That's how your mind thinks? That's a logical thing. He's not evil. He's not. And if God wasn't sovereign over them, then he wouldn't be God. All of you know about calamities, something maybe your own personal life or family, friend. Um, I just talked to somebody the other day, you know, and uh, her son was in his 20s and ride his motorcycle and, and got hit by a car. And um, drunken driver. And this lady had an arrest record of drunkenness. But for different reasons, I would go on the story, and I was talking to this lady, talking to the mother, and man, it's hard. I mean, she'll never forget. I think about it every day, you know. God is sovereign over that one. Her son, she loved her son, wonderful son. Story goes, God was sovereign. God was sovereign over that as well. Think how life would be if these calamities are just happening, are just accidents. This would make life for you very hard and unsettling, and at times fearful. You'd be a little bit shaky. What's going on here? But God, our good and holy and wise and purposeful God, is sovereign over all these things. That's what he's doing. He's doing it for his purpose and glory. He's doing it for your good. That is what's happening. That means, sum up these disasters, hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes and floods and fires, and if you watch the news a little bit, you heard about all these Canadian fires this last week. As you put it all together, you know, it's like 9 million acres, I think, which is basically 15,000 square miles. That's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's 150 by 100 on a rectangle. That's a lot of fire. And, and did you watch, did you see the map? You know, you know watching the weatherman? Half of New York, half of Pennsylvania, all of Delaware, all of Jersey, other states, you got part of Maryland, part of D.C., part of Ohio. Whoa! 
I'm not saying that these fires stopped people in their tracks, but definitely slowed them down. Certain people didn't go outside. God kept certain people inside because of these fires up in Canada. God is sovereign. All things, all things, all things, all the time. That is so important to know. God is sovereign over kings and kingdoms. Daniel 2.21, we sang the song, God removes kings and establishes kings. God removes kings and establishes kings. You all know this. The past 30 years, we've had these five presidents. We had Bill Clinton, right? George Bush. We've had Barack Obama, Donald Trump, now Joe Biden. All this time and energy, and I follow a little bit of this, all this money, these campaigns, and like I say, we're, what, 17 months out from the next election or six, whatever it is? All this energy and all this talk, and you're walking and watching a news show. It's all about the next election. But who raises the person up? God does. Says that um, God puts some down and exalts others at Psalm 75. In um, Isaiah 40, it is God who removes kings. So God's sovereign over all these. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart's in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. What a verse in the sovereignty of God relative to rulers. Ezra 1.1 says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. God is not only sovereign over who gets elected, but he's sovereign over what that elected official does. His policies the bills that he writes, the executive orders that he signs, all these things, he's sovereign. So, so when you think about what's happened, we could go through each president and talk about it a little bit, and I could take time for that. Each president, whether it's Clinton or Bush or Obama or Trump or Biden, what is going on, you might say? God's sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Important to understand, isn't it? Because people really get worked up. People really get worked up about their politics, about their rulers. I get worked up sometimes, okay? <laughs> I see what's going on. I will admit, that happens to me. But that's why you have verses, truths like this that we're taking time to explain to settle your heart, to see God is sovereign, that he's in charge of everybody, who gets elected, and also then what they do. God indeed is in charge. Romans nine seventeen, Scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. The Israelites didn't like Pharaoh in his evil ways, but why did God, what is the principal reason that God raised Pharaoh up? It was for his glory overall, but specifically so that the Israelites would be released out of Egypt. They were there like 400 years, and they go then, of course, to the desert, then to the promised land. 40-year time period there. But God was sovereign. Even though, I'll say this here, the process, and you go to Exodus and see the process, you know, and there's this, this bad ruler, you know, and it took these 10 plagues, and it just didn't happen overnight. You know, sometimes you think in life, I wish God would just be more quicker in his sovereignty. You know, and, and, and you, you can relate, let's say, with your own, let's say, health situation you have or know somebody else. And this health situation is going on for maybe months or years. And God, can you sort of move this along a little bit? I know you're sovereign over the, my illness here and how I feel, but can you sort of get things going? Sometimes it seems God a little slow, doesn't it? It seems that way. He's sovereign. He does what he wants. You have to. Be humble before him and trust him. Know that he's in charge. He's doing what he wants in the time that he wants. Revelation seventeen seventeen. God has put it into their heart, the heart of the hearts, the antic heart of the Antichrist and the false prophet to execute his purpose by having a common purpose. This amazing verse. Again, we see that God raised up evil men. Here we're talking about the Antichrist. This is future. Antichrist and the false prophets to carry out God's purposes. So here you have then these two men, Antichrist 
false prophet did what they wanted to do. But they didn't realize that they're also doing just what God wanted them to do. That's what the verse says. You, you tangle this verse while you look at it back and forth. Whoa. God put it into their hearts? These maybe evil things that they were doing? How do you figure that one out? That's what it says. God has put it into their hearts, the heart of the Antichrist and the false prophet, to execute his purpose, God's purpose, by having a common purpose. God, Antichrist, false prophet, all the same purpose. Same purpose. See that? You can't miss this sovereignty here and how God's in charge, even with evil people. I mean, it's just, it's just astounding. Thomas Watson, a godly Puritan, stated this, God brings about his plan through the willing choices of human beings who are accountable to God for their actions. That's what happens. Let's continue. God's sovereign over countries and cities. Psalm 33, 10, 11. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. That's a strong phrase. Nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. So God's sovereign over the nations. They have their plans, but God can nullify them. God can stop them then from doing what they want to do. But God's counsel, his plan, and in general, and specifically there in that context, it's talking about the Jews, but we can generalize say his plans and purposes for his people, that is both Jews and Christians, will be fulfilled and will stand forever. That's what he's saying. It's a great big picture verse there, that one in Psalm 33. Turn to Psalm 105. Going to read them. So much I could read. I'm not going to read all, but I, that, this is this is one of my favorite chapters on how God was sovereign over His Israel, but over Pacific people. We'll just start in verse 41, Psalm 105, verse 41. God opened the rock and water flowed out. So who opened the rock? God. It ran in the dry places like a river. He remembered his holy word with covenant with Abraham, his servant. That is, that is, God had made promises to Abraham, and he was fulfilling them. It says he brought forth his people with joy. God did it. He, his chosen ones with a joyful shout. He gave them also the lands of the nations that they might take possession of the fruit of his, the people's labor so that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. So, just simple. Read the whole thing. You really need to. Again, one of my favorites. Um, is Psalm 105 in that whole area there. God is sovereign. Psalm 99, verse 5. You've rebuked the nations, destroyed the wicked. You've blotted out their name forever and ever. More strong verses. Nations and peoples may think they can do what they want, but they can't. They can't. God is one then. He judges every evil country in the world. Now, of course, you read the prophets, which is one of my favorite books, because it explains very clearly how God is sovereign over countries and over cities and how God judges their evil. I mean, it's just so crystal clear you can't miss it. But he's doing it in our day. Now, if you read my post a couple weeks ago, the prophets punishing end times message, you'll understand what I'm going to say here. Let's give you a few examples. The point is that God is now judging the United States of America. One little story first. 
go out to San Francisco, there's an Afghanistan, Afghanistan person moved there. It's almost about a year ago, but I just recently heard him say, you know, San Francisco's worse than Afghanistan. And Afghanistan was bad. I mean, y'all read the news a little bit, you see, so it's really not doing good. God's judging San Francisco, no doubt about it, okay? Then we got the borders. Yeah, God's sovereign, but he's judging us with all these people coming in from, what, 130, 140 countries. We really, I'll be honest, I hate to say this, a couple weeks before July 4th, we are not the United States of America. We are not. And part of this border problem is leading to that. We are a divided country, and as you know, Jesus said, divided countries, they must fall. I hate to say that. That's where things are going. God is judging us right now. The economy, $32 trillion in debt, go to, what's it called, um, the debt, you go to debt clock, and you'll see it. You'll see it running. It runs so fast. <laughs> $32 trillion in debt. I mean, it's really sad. The inflation is probably going to get worse and worse in the next few years. I hate to say that. I hate to say that. So you got this problem. You have the drug problem. I said this recently. You have 300 people die a day because of fentanyl deaths. 300 people a day. That's a lot. That's 100,000 a year. Okay, let's back up. Let's get the perspective. You know how many people died in World War I, United States people? 53,000. I just said 100,000 people would die a year because of fentanyl. You know how many people died in World War I? These are American casualties, mostly men. 291,000. Takes three years. Oh, World War II was bad. It was really, it was the worst war ever. It was bad. Well, Civil War is worse, but World War II, wow, that's something. Then go to Vietnam War, 47,000. Wow, that's half a year. And the Iraq War, Iran War is bad. You know how many died? Only 2,200. And I'm not talking about the 60, 70 million babies that have been born the last 50 years. God is judging this country. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. And yesterday, and I will say this. I will say this. There was a president yesterday. They've been at the White House. They've been legalizing these, legalizing immorality, sexual sin for years. Big event. They've legalized it. They're promoting it. They're celebrating it. They're pushing it. That's what they're doing. God's judging this country. It says in someplace, it's, a, it's the last phrase of Romans 1, about they were basically celebrating these evil things. Wake up. Wake up. That's God, I mean, we need to see the holiness, but God is sovereign. He is not going to not going to just let these things slide. He's not going to let them go. That is the truth. We continue. Micah 5, 2. As for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, from you will go forth for me, go f- will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. It's amazing. 700 years before Jesus was born, it was predicted that Bethlehem be the city be born. He predicted it. He planned it all out. He's sovereign. This one, I love this one here. Jonah and Nahum. Okay, you know the story of Jonah, right? He goes to the city of Nineveh, one of the largest, most powerful, most evil cities in the world at that time. The 100-foot walls, a big moat out there, like impregnable, you know, it was just evil, wicked. They just piled dead body upon dead. It was just sad. And so Jonah comes. He preaches. He didn't want to go because he knew it was such an evil city. He was a little bit afraid of what might happen, you know, and plus he sort of didn't want them to get saved. He said, man, these guys are butchers. Why should I even go there and, you know, present, share God's mercy? Well, 
You know what happened? A whole bunch of people got saved. It says in the end of Jonah there, about 140,000. So God is salvation, the simple story of Jonah. God is salvation over all these evil Ninevites, right? What's Nahum about? About 100 years later, probably around 640 B.C., Nahum a prophet predicted that Nineveh be destroyed. You look at, you look at the specificity of Nahum 1, 2, and 3 and how strong it is. I can read it. It's, whoa, aren't you a little too strong, God? And then, 612, about 30 years later, his prediction, God's prophecy came true. So on one hand, you've got Jonah, and you have God's salvation, God's sovereign over salvation. On the other hand, you've got here is God is sovereign over their being judged. You see it both. You see it both. It's just, it's just I have to say, it's encouraging because God is sovereign in these ways. We continue. God's sovereign over his word. Joshua 21, 45, not one of the good promises which the Lord made to the house of Israel failed, all came to pass. God sovereignly, powerfully, and wonderfully then fulfilled his promises for Israel. God did it. God's word is important. 1 Samuel 3, 19 and 21, the Lord was with Samuel and let none of his word fall. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. Not everyone heard and understood God's word, but Samuel did. God caused Samuel to hear his word, number one, and secondly, we understand that God revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So here you are today. If you are understanding God's word to one degree, one little bit, who's doing it? It's not you. It's God. Luke 24 says it very simply. It says, then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So God is sovereign over his word with your own life. Don't, don't think, oh man, look, I understand this. Look, look how smart I am. No. If you understand anything, it's the kindness and the mercy and the love of God that he not only shares the word, but then opens your heart to understand it and reveals it to you. You're blessed, extremely blessed by God that he does that for us. Ezekiel 1.5, a similar thought. The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest. God is sovereign over who heard his word and understood it. And here we see that he directed his word to Ezekiel. Not many people were hearing and understand the word back then. That's why you think about our lives at this time. Here we are, 2023, June 11th. And God is letting us understand his word. We should be so thankful. God, if you were, I've got the word of God here. We should read it and ask God to help us understand it. Isaiah 55, 11, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. God has very specific purposes for his word, and he makes sure that they are carried out. That's what happens. Yes, we are responsible to understand and obey God's word. At the same time, God is sovereign over his word, and he's the one then who enables us then to understand it and obey it. Again, how that works out, I do not understand. I mentioned that verse last time. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You go home today and tomorrow, and you work out your salvation. You do what you know God wants you to do. But God is the one who is at work in you to will, to give you the desire, the will, and to act. The desire and the ability, the power to do what he wants. Well, I, just, I just love that. So, so important. Psalm 147 this psalm, again, there's many. I could, I could find so many different chapters and portions that talk about God's sovereignty. Psalm 147 is one of the best ones. I, when I, from my count, I saw 24 
specific examples of God being sovereign. All kinds of areas. All kinds of areas. Making it clear, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Let's, 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 let's turn there. Look at the last. I'll just read the last few verses. Thirteen, God has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your sons within you. God makes peace to your borders. He satisfies you with the finest of the wheat. God sends forth his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. God gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. God casts forth his ice as fragments. Who can stand before his cold? God sends forth his word and melts them. He causes the wind to blow and the waters to flow. God declares his words to Jacob, his statutes, and his ordinance to Israel. God has not dealt thus with any nation, and as for his ordinances, they have not known them. And what's the reason? What's the why? What's the why? Praise the Lord. That is the bottom line. When you talk about this why question of why God does things, bottom line, God wants to be praised and worshiped, and he should be praised and worshiped. So let me just conclude here. Very good. But just, I forgot this, but I have to share it. Is when you read the prophets, they may seem depressing, Okay. But I was talking to my son James about this this morning. When I read the prophets, I look for the, I look for the diamonds. I look for the gold. So here you get Nahum 1.7. Just, man, what a heavy, heavy, heavy book. Verse 7, you know what verse 7 says? The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Isn't that good? The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. So we have to see that. So as we conclude this time, just a, just a couple questions. I want to read a couple of the verses. So we think in life, you go through life, and you think about, what am I going to do? Right? You think that way. And that's, that's fine. What am I going to do today? I, I, I can't help you. You've all thought about it a little bit. You know, when I get out of church, I'm going to do this. What am I going to do? Ask yourself the question, what is God doing? That's the more important question. What is God doing? He's sovereign. Okay? One final section of verses, Psalm 111. And relative to that last question, what is God doing? Take these few verses to heart. Psalm 111, verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. In the company of the upright and in the assembly, great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. God's working. You just study them and delight in them. That's what he says. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteous endures forever. He has remembered his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works and giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. His precepts are sure. So think about God and think about what he is doing. That's, it's, that's, that should comfort your heart. This truth of God's sovereignty should be an encouraging truth, a joy-producing, a peace-producing truth as you think about it for your own life. And as, as we go on from here, again, think about your life, think about your family, your close friends, this church, and also think about the world we live in. God is sovereign over all. And as I said before, I'm going to keep saying this, I think of just two things from Psalm 37. What are you to do? Trust in the Lord when you see things happening. 
Okay? Okay, God, your sob, trust. And do good. Keep going. Don't stop. I'm quitting. I'm done, man. It's too hard. I don't want it anymore. No, no, no. Don't do that. Trust in the Lord. Whether you see things that are hard in your own family, or in this church, or in this world, trust in the Lord and do good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We bless you with these, these wonderful truths about your sovereignty. We've not even looked at all of them. There's so many. I, I would just pray, Lord, that, that you, by your word, your spirit, would really change our lives and hearts as we think about these truths of your sovereignty. Lord, that this would really affect us. We'd be more humble, more broken, more ones who are exalting you, more thankful, more trusting, all these things. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us. And, and maybe I would suggest for each one of us here, Father, that you'd help them find a verse or two or three. We've looked at many that, that can help them and believe you and trust you. But, but thank you so much. We thank you, Father, that you're God. We thank you that you're char- in charge. I thank you that you're sovereign over good. You're sovereign over evil. You're sovereign over everything that relates to our lives. And sometimes we have a hard time even processing the past. Some people call it PTSD because they don't understand God's sovereignty. And I pray, Lord, you'd help each of us. If there's things from the past that are hard, we can't forget and troublesome, whatever, God, you're sovereign. You're sovereign. We need to be ones that move ahead. And then forgetting what lies behind, we press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you again, Father, for your love, your kindness, this church. Thank you for Bethel. Just lead us all for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for what's going on in this world. We pray for our leaders. Pray for your will be done. And Lord, again, help each of us, of us here in our own lives to be ones who trust and do good. In Jesus' name we pray.